Good evening and welcome to episode 24 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Zamandunga Kumalo. We're on day 49 of the national lockdown. I can see us getting to that day 100. And tonight we're talking about something that I'm actually quite, um, you know, fascinated by because I know so many of us don't know about it. We're going to be talking about how if this subsidy can help with buying your first home and to help us navigate understanding what a FLISP subsidy is, how we apply for it, and who actually qualifies. I'm joined by, uh, uh, I'm joined by Verna Pugin, who is the Managing Director of Consumer Mortgage Management this evening. Good evening, Verna. Thank you so much for joining us on the Private Property Podcast. Hi, good evening, Zama, and everybody else. So I think a lot of people, like I was saying, uh, probably don't know what FLISP is, even is, right? So if perhaps we can start with what is this FLIP subsidy that sometimes people mention around? Okay, FLISP is firstly, it's an acronym for, um, it stands for the Finance Linked Individual Subsidy Program. That's where the FLISP comes in. But obviously everybody, we just shorten it um, just for obvious for obvious reasons. Um, and this subsidy is obviously offered by the Department of Human Settlements as a once-off lump sum of cash given to a first-time home buyer to assist as a deposit or as to cover costs, legal fees when it comes to transfer and bond registration. And I think maybe let's let's break that down a little bit, right? Because I'm sure to so many people, it probably just sounds too good to be true. That government would actually be, you know, giving you a subsidy to buy a home. Like, how is that even humanly possible? Right. So perhaps yeah. if we we go to the beginning. So here you are. You you're interested in buying a property. Who then qualifies for for the subsidy? Um, firstly, that what human settlements would look at would be your income. Um, which is, it has to be between 3,501 Rand and 22,000 household income. Uh, you have to uh, be married or single with a dependent or divorced. Most importantly, your very first home that you're going to be purchasing. You must obviously have uh, an approved home loan from a financial institution. Um, and that's about it. So perhaps, so, Verna, let's, I think let's let's perhaps break that down. I mean, one of the things is you say you must have a dependence. So let's say you are a, a, a unmarried single woman or man. You've got no children. Does the dependent mean it must be children? Can it be, you know, perhaps your grandmother or your mother who are dependent on you? Or is it actually yes. supposed to be your your children, for, for instance? No, it it could be anybody that is financially dependent on you. It could be a grand, grandpa, um, mom, or dad, provided that that person obviously is not a homeowner and that can stand on their own two feet. Because that and would so indicate, obviously, that that person is not financially dependent on you. I can imagine. And, and then maybe let's look at that, you know, one of the other criteria, or one of the other things that you said is a criteria, and that's, of course, the issue of them having an approved home loan. Um, so maybe Correct. we must almost take it a, a step back and, you know, try to figure out at which point are you even applying for this subsidy. So if somebody's at home and they need some of the requirements that we've just spoken about, and we'll keep fleshing them out, and they're thinking, okay, but if I'm supposed to already have a, a home loan, 
then when is this coming into place? So perhaps if we can look at some of the steps by steps of how we get to actually having that subsidy. Firstly, it's, it's finance linked. All right, so you have to first have the finance before you can actually apply for the subsidy. So that would mean that you need to go to your bank um, or through your agent, through your bond originator, um, get yourself approved or pre-approved, um, see what you qualify in terms of your subsidy, um, speak to these the agents or to your bond originator about what the costs are going to be and then package yourself, but to, to see where you actually fit in with the subsidy. So your first step would actually first be to go to your bank, get yourself pre-approved, how much do I qualify for in terms of my income? The bank would be able to tell you that whether you qualify for the subsidy or not at that point and, and how much. Um, you know, or the client can actually call human settlements, whichever province they are in, find out what they would qualify for. They could call our office and find out what they would qualify for. Um, and we can package, package them as well. But the your very first step would obviously to, to is, would be to purchase the property, sign that offer to purchase based on a pre-approval. It goes to the bank, you'll get a final approval, and then you would apply for the subsidy. Because that plus subsidy that you are going to be getting is actually registered to you as well as the property. So you have to prove to human settlements, this is the property that I'm going to be buying and that subsidy is registered over that property. So you, you can't put the cart before the horse and first apply for the subsidy because it's information that is required by human settlements. So, so at this point, Yes, Vanessa, sorry, do you continue? No, you have to obviously first find the property, get yourself yeah. pre-approved, and then you apply for the subsidy. So I think, you know, for, for viewers at home, if you're sitting at home and you still have perhaps a few question marks around uh, FLISP, how it actually works, whether or not you might qualify or not, do send in those questions and Verna will be more than happy to answer some of them. Of course, we're looking at how a FLISP subsidy can help with buying your first home. Now, you know, Verna, let's perhaps then look at some of the, the, the numbers. I mean, what kind of um, you know, what's the actual amount, the subsidy amount that we're looking at? Because as you mentioned earlier, this amount can go towards, you know, perhaps going towards the deposit or maybe the attorney fees. What kind of numbers are we looking at in terms of how much the subsidy is actually going to cover? Okay, so the subsidy works on a sliding scale. The more you earn, the less you get, unfortunately. Um, but it makes sense if you're earning 3,501 Rand in the household will be getting about 122,000 rand. And if you are earning 22,000 rand, you're getting out just under 30,000. So what basically would happen is, I'm sorry, say that again. No, I was saying that those are figures that are quite significant and would make oh, uh, absolutely. quite a difference, yeah. Absolutely, it, it, it makes, and it, it just removes the, the stress of buying a home. You actually, if you're a first time home buyer, you're a young family starting out, you actually don't need any money in your pocket to go out there and purchase a property. Um, before the subsidy, before anybody knew about it, obviously people needed to 
tens of thousands of rands out of their pocket, save for a year, two years before they can actually purchase something. Um, now, you can actually use of that subsidy to cover your legal fees. The balance can actually be put towards uh, reducing your risk on your home loan um, and making the whole package a whole lot more affordable for you. So it's, it's a win-win situation. I have to, though, I have to um, say that paying for your legal fees is only applicable here in the Western Cape. All okay. the other provinces, um, your FLISP subsidy will be put towards a deposit and reducing your risk at the bank. It's only uh -huh. here in the Western Cape that Human Settlements has says that we can use the um, money for, for costs. And I think before we, uh, you know, even look at when does the money even come in, let's perhaps, you know, Verna, explore how do then people apply for that FLISP subsidy? So in the event where you can see that you earn within the, the, the perimeters that FLISP mm -hmm. um, essentially says, and you do have a dependent and you're looking at buying your first home and you do have that, you know, your home loan, you've signed the OTP, the bank has, has already given you that grant to buy that first property. How does somebody then go about applying for the subsidy? Um, there are two ways that we they can apply. Firstly, they can approach human settlements directly, um, get the application form, go back home, complete it. Um, the other alternative is that they can come through us at, uh, very easily through our website um, or just with a plain phone call to say they'd like to apply for the subsidy and we can assist them uh, in terms of completing the application and getting that application into human settlements. We are also um, a, a service provider human settlement where we can submit the application electronically through to them, get out an approval in principle um, obviously, uh, just to assist the, the whole transaction, because your attorneys, your estate agent, your bond originator, your seller all becomes quite anxious, you know, when they see, oh, you're applying for FLIS, this is going to take years or months, is the money going to be available, it's going to sort of hold up the whole transaction and everything goes pear-shaped, so we, we control that for the clients um, to say, you know what, relax we've got this. So they, it's the client's choice at the end of the day. And perhaps then the, the next, you know, the next question, Verna, would be how long is the process? If the client was to make application during, as soon as the bond is approved, finally approved by the bank, and they've signed the documents at the attorneys and we do that application by the time that bond comes up for registration that first money will be available okay. and so then, as it's as long as the as the bond takes basically oh okay so the turnaround time isn't as some people might assume many 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 months because i think oftentimes mm. we do grow slightly skeptical when certain things are, of course, from, from government because of the slow pace that sometimes things get delivered. Um, and of yeah. course, 
to our viewers at home, we are taking in your questions. If you have any questions around how a FLISP subsidy works or you know how you can go about applying, do send them through to Verna and she'll be more than happy to answer. Uh, Verna, we've already got some questions and comments coming in. The first one is from Seabonga Alex. And um, this question is twofold, so I'll ask it you know, separately. So the first one, he says, my question is, do you qualify for it only once or every time when you buy? And the second one is, is it applicable to investment properties and do you need to pay it back? Okay, hi, Siobonga. The um, answer to your first question is that it it's a once-off. Um, and sorry, let me answer the second question. No, you do not need to, to pay the money back. Okay. It's a once-off investment. Just hold a second. It's a once-off um, lump sum, which is not to be paid back. It is a gift. It can be used as on an investment property as long as it's your first property that you're purchasing and you fall within the criteria. So then essentially you wouldn't be able to use it on a secondary property because I think that's the that, that's essentially the first no, you, part of this question. So it's only uh, for one property and one property only. Correct. It has to be your primary residence. The subsidy is there not to obviously to make money off or to, it's there to house, to help you to house yourself and your family. So if you are tuned in, you're of course watching the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Zamantunga Kumala. I'm joined by Verna Pugin, who's a director, who's a managing director rather of the Consumer Mortgage Management. And we're talking about how this subsidy can help with buying your first home. If you have any questions about the subsidy, of course, that's once that once off payment that government essentially gives you to buy your first home or enable you to buy your first home. So if you do have any questions, send them through and we'll be answering them. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Private Property Podcast. This is episode seven of the podcast. I'm your host, Zamantunga Kumalo, and I'm on the line with Verna Pugin, who's the Managing Director of the Consumer Mortgage Management. We're talking about how a FLIS subsidy can help with buying your first home. Of course, this is a subsidy by the Department of Housing that is enabling new homeowners or new prospective homeowners buy their first property. This is, of course, when you have a household income of between 3,501 
and 22,000. Now, Verna, before we left, you know, I wanted to actually find out, I mean, we already had a really great question from Siabonga, and there's another scenario that I wanted to, to essentially ask about, because you did say that part of the criteria is that we're essentially buying your first home, and it doesn't matter, um, Verna, if you're buying this first home as an individual, so if I'm buying it as Uzamantunga, or if I'm buying it, suppose, with my husband, um, does it matter who I'm buying this property with in the event that, for example, I'm married? No, not at all. Um, it, 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 you can buy it either as a single individual, which if you are a single mom, dad, person, you, you need to have that financial dependence. Or you can purchase with your brother, your husband, your sister, um, your mom, provided that both parties within that is purchasing are both first-time homeowners. And, you know, I actually had a bit of a cheeky question about that, right? So suppose the first time, because I think a lot of people might find themselves um, in this situation, especially people who meet the financial criteria, that perhaps you were once married, and let's assume you're married in community of property and you bought a property with, you know, with your husband or your wife, which would obviously mean that if you were married in community of property, that both of you were the home buyers in that instance. And suppose you're now divorced. Um, and you're now looking to buy a property by yourself. So in theory, it's the first time you buy it as an individual, but almost on a practical level, it isn't necessarily the first time you buy it because you'd have previously bought with the person you were Somebody else. Yeah. Yes. So in, in a context like that, does it still count as actually you had bought a property when you were married in community of property, and now this would essentially count as the second property that you're buying? Yes, it would count as the second property that you are purchasing, ah, unfortunately. Okay. It yes. is quite unfortunate because I, I mean, I can assume that there, you know, there are people who probably would fall within that bandwidth. We've got another question in here um, coming in from Kanye Samda who asks, if you have cash but are short of registration costs, does it apply? No, it will not apply, unfortunately. If you, if he's obviously if he's saying, do you have cash to purchase the property? Then yes. no, it will not apply because it, it's finance linked, which means that you need to have a home loan in order to access the subsidy. Okay, and another one. I mean, you know, Verna is. I think one of something that would be useful for viewers at home who perhaps aren't as familiar with how to best navigate their application process. If you could share with us perhaps, what are some of the mistakes that people are making when they try to apply for a FLISP um, subsidy? Uh, generally, it's the understanding of the criteria um, that they would use a, a financial dependent that has possibly been used already by somebody else. Um, and where you have a case of a single parent, both parents are wanting to purchase a property um, and they only have one child between the two of them. The child is used by perhaps the mom to access the subsidy, but that child can't be used again for the dad to purchase um, a property and, and, and have access to the subsidy. So that's a very common, common error that is made. Um, 
people that have possibly had a subsidy before by having access to an RDP house that they've received in another province, they're now living in, in, in Western Cape or Gauteng or Eastern Cape, and they now purchase something and apply for a subsidy, not realizing that that house that they had in another province is actually registered to them or was registered to them. So that's also another common, a common problem. Everyone has to realize that human settlements or the National Housing Finance Corporation will do the due diligence on, on the application. They will check SARS, they will check um, UIF, they check, they do all the checks and balances. So as I say, in terms of all of uh, your marital status, all of those things, they are, are very stringent and a very common mistake is that people will try to obviously get to do those, uh, make application under those conditions. And we've got another question here from Ngateko Ahape who asks, what happens when the person I'm buying with earns more than the required um, income? Say with my sister who earns 25,000, do we still qualify to buy? Unfortunately not. Your household income needs to be a maximum of 22 together and, and, combined. Yeah, I, and Rena, we are getting questions around, um, I'll say the requirements and it's almost like what you were just saying now that often the mistakes that people make is not meeting those requirements so I know yes. that people at home are probably have so many question marks around even some of these requirements and yes. the different scenarios that they actually find themselves in another one is from uh, Bongani Mabunda who's which is actually very similar to what you've just answered uh, and her question is the 3,500 to 22,000, is it combined income or per person? It's combined household income. I know you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's combined household. Um, you know, if, obviously, if the one person is unemployed, then your household income is 22. But if one earns 15 and the other one earns 10, your 25,000 rand household income, then you won't qualify. Another really good question uh, is coming in from Zamarhu Bihatebe who asks, if your salary alone qualifies for FLISP, but you have extra income monthly, which together makes your combined income higher over the stipulated monthly um, you know, requirement, would you then not qualify? I would say, it, it, firstly, it would depend on the province that you are in. Um, and I'm just going to obviously just break it down for you. Um, in the Western Cape, we would use only basic income. They only use your basic income irrespective of overtime. Whereas if you go to Gauteng, the NHFC are going to use your total gross income to, to, to qualify you. So it, it really depends on which province you are in in order for that decision to be taken. So if you are, I'll just do an example in Western Cape, if you are earning um, 18,000 Rand a month basic income and you earn 5,000 Rand in terms of overtime or commission or something to that effect. And now your gross salary is showing that you're earning 23,000 Rand, which in effect you'd be over the limit. 
but you'd be lucky in Western Cape because they would say only using the 18,000. However, take that same salary to Gauteng and they'd say, no, you're over the limit. It is what you earn in terms of gross income. So um, you only can, you. it's only, like I say, it's, it's a very difficult because of all the, 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 the separations in the various provinces, there's no one platform for each person. I would, you know, if somebody was to call in, the first thing I would need to ask is, you know, which province are you in? And under those conditions, I can then stipulate what the criteria would be in order to help you to qualify. So it is, it's a very difficult uh, a scenario that we're trying to, uh, I, I can't even generalize because each province has its own set of, 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 of criteria and interpretation of their policy. And we've got another uh, question, Verna, this time coming in from Isaiah Shika, who asks, I was hoping to buy land, then building my own desired house. How does, how does FLISP or is FLISP going to assist me in this instance? Um, Isaiah, yes. Um, again, you've just got to, you, you know, one needs to just unpack it and say, if you're wanting to buy land, you need to, the, you, the, the subsidy is there to house you. Now you can't house yourself on a piece of land. So, and I, I need to get money in order to build a house, which I'd maybe not have, but I also the subsidy, if I want to access that, tells me I need to have a bond. So I need to have now a building bond. So I'll go to the bank and um, apply for a bond, a building bond, and under those conditions, you can access the subsidy. However, if you're only wanting to buy that piece of land, then no. You can't then apply for the subsidy. You can, however, apply for that subsidy when you do decide to build and take out a home loan in order to do that. Very complicated, <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I think, you know, I think it's one of those ways that, I mean, there are different ways that people try to, um, you know, get a foot into the property ladder or buy their first yes. home in particular. With some people, they might think perhaps not buy an apartment or a house, maybe rather get the land and build something that might be suitable. And even though you may not make a lot of money, but you still have the dream of being able to build something for your family. And I think being yeah. able to access subsidies like this does make it better for us to be able to, you know, access housing in our different ways. Verna, when you've shared some of the mistakes that people have made, now I, I actually want, you know, the opposite, which is what are some of the best ways or tips that you would have to make sure that somebody has a very smooth, quick, successful application um, without, you know, thinking or without being sent back saying these documents are missing or that's missing. So what are some of the best practices that you can share with our viewers at home in ensuring that their process is not only fast, but that they're also able to, you know, get the, essentially ultimately get the subsidy? You know, the first thing that, like I said, the, a good tip would be is that you need to decide who you'd like to do the who who you would enjoy to have the application do for you know have have done for you, you do have the option of going directly to human settlements and walk the walk with them, um, or approach us, give us a call, ask us how you can, what you can do, 
um, and ask for assistance from our office uh, in order to submit application on your behalf. It's a smooth, if you do not have all the documentation um, on your first go that you would then submit through to human settlements, they're not going to tell you that you, you, there's a document missing. They will wait for you to call in three months time to find out what is happening. Um, and that is, is, you know, then they probably lost the file, but then I don't want to sort of down talk, but th that is what happens. However, if you're coming in through our office, uh, we are able to assist you. There are two people in the office that is available, to, you know, uh, during office hours. Um, we answer the phone when you do make the call. We're on email. Uh, we're on WhatsApp. So, in my opinion, if you're coming through our office, we've got the direct link with uh, human settlements. We can make your journey a whole lot easier. Another question, this one from Linda Horsfield, who asks, if I grant my gardener a loan to buy a house, will he be able to apply for the FLISP subsidy or must he get the loan from a bank? He has to get the loan from a bank. Um, and the reason for that is when the subsidy money is paid out, it is paid out, like I said, against uh, the, the property or the money would be paid directly into a home loan. Um, and that is the payment mechanism from human settlements. They do not have a mechanism by which to pay an employer um, the money. That way they have no control uh, over what's happening to the money. When it's done through a financial institution, human settlements, according to their policy, that has to be used to reduce uh, of the home loan. So un until things change or there's a new norm, um, unfortunately, it has to be the home loan has to be done through a financial institution. Another question coming in, Verna, is from Kanye Samda, who asks, is there a fee one pays? Uh, should, for, should they use your services or other service providers in helping them apply for this FLISP subsidy? No, they can use whichever service provider they are comfortable with. Um, we just, uh, we, we've been doing the FLISP subsidy for a long time. Um, we have relationships uh, with the different uh, provinces. Um, we know what happens in each of the provinces, um, but by all means, the client can use whichever service provider they are comfortable with. I think what she's trying to essentially establish is, you know, what kind of, um, I think she's trying to get a sense of uh, the fee that goes in, in the event where you use a service provider. I'm sorry, can you just say that again, Sama? So essentially she, she wants to find out what the fee would be when she uses a service provider. So suppose she uses, whether yourselves or other service provider, what the typical fee would be. So suppose, um, let's say it's 10% of what the FLISP, um, subsidy is or five percent so she's trying to just get a sense of what the typical what the um, fee would be yes okay i i have um no idea what other service providers obviously would charge out there we do charge a fee of one five 
which we split into that on application, the 750 Rand would need to be paid. And then the uh, once we are, um, well, once we've gone through all the documentation and then just prior to submission to human settlements, we would then ask for the balance. Uh, okay. uh, we Sorry, I've lost you there for a second. No, so I was saying you've essentially answered um, her question. Verna, before I let okay. you go, how do people then get in touch with you um, if they wanted to, for example, use your services or get more information uh, on the FLIS subsidy? We've got quite an extensive section on FLISP on our website, um, which is consumermortgagemanagement.co.za. Uh, or they can give us a call. Um, we have a, a, a an office number. I don't know how, if you would like me to, it's on our website as well. Our phone number is there. Um, our WhatsApp call, uh, WhatsApp number is on the website too. Um, so they were just log in, you know, just uh, Google consumer mortgage management. Um, all the information would pop up. That's perfect, Verna. Thank you so much for that. That is Verna Pugin, who is the Managing Director at the Consumer Mortgage Management. And of course, we're talking about how a FLIS subsidy can help with buying your first home. And I hope that this is, you know, an opportunity that many uh, prospective new home buyers will be able to access. So many of us simply do not know about it when we want to start our property journey or buy that first home for our family. That's, of course, if you earn between 3,501 and 22,000 rands and you want to be able to access that government subsidy that really does ease um, you know, financially things when you want to buy your first property. Thank you, Verna, for joining us this evening. Of course, we're back again tomorrow evening right here on the Private Property Podcast. It's going to be episode 25. We've already been in this for quite a while, and it's going to be day 50 of the national lockdown. And I'm sure that many of you uh, you know, want to know what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Michelle Dickens, who's the Managing Director, of course, of TPN. And you've heard us talk about TPN so many times. And this time we'll be talking about credit scores and how you can better your credit scores. We often, you know, hear how so many people, you know, stumble on their home ownership journey because of a bad credit score. So we'll be unpacking that and giving you tips on how you can better manage your credit score and make sure that when you apply for that home loan, it doesn't get rejected because of a bad credit score. So do tune in tomorrow evening. Until then, I hope you're staying home, staying safe, and making sure that you're keeping to the lockdown rules. Good night. Good night.